is it? What, Yo. what is it? Wow. Guy, hey. <laughs> hey, girl, hey. <laughs> What's good with you? What's good with you? Man, let me tell you, man, I'm just recovering off of the flu. Oh, yeah, you was down for the count. Man, I was down for the count, man. It was it, ugly, it, too. Oh, I God. No, oh, God. I don't know. You probably can still hear it in my voice. Hold on. Let me clear it up a little bit. Let me clear my throat. Hello. All right. There we go. Yeah, it's your boy, man. It's uh, your favorite campus uncle. Uncle Fred is in the building. I'm here with the Liberated Project. Check my sister in pain struggle. Also in victory, Good Tamara. Good evening. Good evening. How you doing? I'm amazing. Thank doing you. Doing better than me, right? Yes, absolutely. That's why I'm <laughs> saying make sure you take care of yourself. Yes, absolutely. We cannot at all under any circumstances be sick. It's too much to do. Man, it, listen. Too much to do. You realize that there's so much to do when you sitting at home for three days nursing yourself. Wow. And you just be like, yo, I just, I just, man, I just got so much to do. Shout out to my students, man, who's reaching out to me. Wow. Shout out to the team that was reaching out to me, making sure I was okay. Shout out to my wife for nursing me up. Shout out to my kids. You know what I mean? Daddy's okay. I'm doing better. You know what I'm saying? And now I'm back full force. I'm back. Awesome. Well, you know what? You were missed. We're always elated to have you back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need all soldiers on the grind. Man, for real. So listen, y'all, we have, we're switching gears today. We're going to come to you with the intellectual side of things. Mm. We're going to talk some uh, some good uh, some good stuff that's good for the, soul, good for the soul, I think. I think it's good for the soul, man. You know, and uh, I want to lead off with uh, probably with a qu- matter of fact, give the disclaimer. That's yes. what you do. Right. So, again, in all things that we do, the disclaimer is we have these conversations, not looking for validations, and our opinions are our opinions and we are here to invoke conversation to vote invoke thought and to leave you pondering and wondering and the ways in which you can be better about yourself Mm -hmm. and uh we own these opinions we ask for you guys you know challenge us if you want to but you know at the end of the day if you can't get right you will get left hey girl hey hey guy hey hey guy hey (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So, um, so what I'm going to do is, you know, I'm going to defer to my my sister here. You know what I'm saying? I'm because going first. I get to go yes, first. you I'm listen. Going first. I get to it go is first. all yours. You got it. You got it. I am a student. I am a student today, and it's a very it's a very good conversation. I think we should have and we should entertain, especially for the masses here, uh, black males. I think you really need to listen up for this one. It's a good one here. Yeah, well, all of our conversations are good, but I love the fact that we can move in a moment's notice. I love the fact that we're bringing different aspects, different conversations, different vantage points to our audience because we're not one-sided. And it's it's a conversation I really never had before. Wow. Okay. So you know so that's it's, dope. It's, it's good property for me. It it's is, good, it's good territory. Primary criteria becomes secondary criteria becomes primary criteria. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I so, have to thank you for that, my sister. <laughs> hey, indeed. Indeed. So for all of you book lovers, for all of you individuals who are um 
books. Excited. Who reads books? I do. Yes, we all do. <laughs> or listen, Audible, for all of um, individuals who are in this particular space of enlightenment and consciousness. Um, we're talking about none other than our self-made homegirl, the queen mm. of all queens, mm. Oprah Winfrey. Is she a trillionaire yet? Should she get there yet? I'm, listen, she is trending. And the beautiful thing about She's always trending one. But the beautiful thing about Oprah, when she said she realized who she was, who she was and what she was here to do. Mm-hmm. And now she's not looking and needing anybody to validate her. Her story is well documented. Mm. She talked about being fired mm. when she was in um, Chicago and they moved her to that morning show kind of to get her out of doing interviews. Her uh, manager at that particular time said, you're too emotional. And just think if she had really. How could you say that? To Oprah, right? So just think <laughs> if she had acquiesced and really attacked herself and try to fit into a box, we would not be where we are today mm. because of her platform. Her mm. platform is massive and it is appreciated because she's appreciated. So for those of you that have not heard, you heard it here first mm. for the love of mm. that Oprah has dropped her new world book club. And I've never been a part of a book club before. <laughs> I think we have to change that. Maybe, you know what, maybe that's something for the love of can start. And maybe what we can do is to introduce people to different genres of books and mm. authors, maybe as opposed to saying we're going to read the whole book, we pick a passage from a book, a chapter from a book, right. and then we talk about it. How, do, how, how does book clubs work? How do they work? I know my mother, my mother for the longest has <laughs> been a part and has started a book club. And like I never inquired about mm-hmm what it is or you know I just assumed that oh they're just reading books right so all day no (laughs) so um there are different objectives based off of the book club okay um and it could be one for just getting around with a nice glass of wine and some snicky snacks hey girl hey break from the husband and the kids or hey I need a shirt (laughs) Tamara next time I see you I need a shirt (laughs) I need a shirt so I can promote you I just look like hey girl right so and then there's you know book clubs that are co-ed men and women same kind of concept there are book clubs that are for couples with you know different couples coming together talking about um, how to better their relationships how to be better connected there are book clubs around finance Mm -hmm. how to grow your financial tree, how to be more astute when it comes to that. So there are all kinds of book clubs and they have different meanings. I want to say, I think one of the main things that Oprah wanted to do is share her love for books with the world. She knew and understood that she had a platform and she understood that how long has she had though oh my goodness well here's the deal she had a book club when she was doing um the oprah show yeah she started that because she her and her team is really really good at what what's the word i'm looking for recreating her and finding other ways to connect with different audiences and the book club was one of them Mm. so since she's left again the show and now doing the own absolutely Mm -hmm. um she's coming back and doing this world book club so her and the author was on cbs on monday the 23rd and you know her best friend bff gail is on that particular show and she was talking about that so this brings us into one the notion of book clubs and how 
some say that reading actual books is a dying art because with our instant gratification, our microwave world, we're going to audibles. Our college students are buying cliff notes. They're going to Google and they can just go and get a PDF of, okay, what's the synopsis or summary of this book? And they're really losing a lot of ground. Also, there's a study that was indicating how now college libraries and then not only college libraries, but libraries in general aren't seeing a lot of traffic because of social media, because of our access to get books online you know so there is the i can't even tell you like did you the last time i can't even tell you the last time like i even like a library and how many people have library cards i I still have my library card do you no come on no please i haven't i was about to tell you i haven't even been to a library yeah like here we are here we are outside outside of a school library When's the last time to the Erie? I have no. I've been, of course, I've been, but but I can't tell you the last time I've been there to find a book or to read a book inside of the Mm. Buffalo Public Library. Like I can't even tell you exactly. You know the last time. Matter of fact, man, I think I owe some money. (laughs) Maybe is that the reason why you haven't been there? I think I owe some money. Is that the reason why you probably like twelve dollars? I don't know, but. But yeah, but like it's it's been a long time. Wow, it's been so, a long time. So I'm so I could see why they would say like a dying yeah, art. It's a dying art, and when you're thinking about the importance of books because it feeds our imagination, it allows us to reimagine, allows us to go anywhere in the world as opposed to having our having thoughts and having ideas and ideals fed to us by these sound bites that we're getting on the news, by these imageries that we're seeing in social media, mm-hmm. and it really doesn't feed our curiosity. Gotcha. Right? So remember the book, one of my favorite books, Where the Wild Things Are? Yes. <gasps> Love, yes. Right? Where the Grew Wild up. Things Grew yes. up on that. So can you imagine, like, what a wild, like, that was all imagination. Yeah. That was all imagination. And right now, because everybody's like, okay, well, I need to get this and I need to get this quick. I'm not trying to read a book. Or we have Audible and we're in our cars and we're driving. Are you against books? Are you against reading books on your phone? So let me say this, because I so love books, I believe that they're beautiful instruments. I have Audible, I have them on my phone, I have a Kindle, and I have physical books. As a matter of fact, I have more books in my house than I have anything else, even shoes. Let me tell you, wow. That's significant. You have a lot of shoes. Exactly, so that's how significant. You know, I can't read a book on the phone. I have to be like it has to be like the physical book mm-hmm. in front of me, and then on top of that, I can't read a book for too long, okay. right? Like, like my mother, my mother can read a book in a day. Oh yeah, my mother can too. I still don't know how like people can do that. It could be a very dense, wordy book, and my mom could just go through it yeah. within it. And I'm like, and, it, and I'm I like, barely get through a comic book. <laughs> no, that's not good. I barely now, get through a comic book. I'm with you on that. I love the physical texture of a book. I love breaking the spine. I love ear dogging the pages. Yep. I love highlighting. I have notes written yep. all inside the margin, outside of the margin. Mm-hmm. I feel really accomplished mm-hmm. in that particular respect. But again, you know, back to our wonderful book club. So Oprah, 
again, and you, he breaks out a book, right? right? So when you come into either Fred's office or my office, my home office, my home, there are books everywhere. There are floating shelves with books. And I love the fact that Oprah is wanting to reintroduce us again to reading in this quick world microwave when our scholars, our children have access to books on phones or they have ac access to books ba basically hearing them. So how, how do you get, so if you're driving, how do you get to imagine something because you should be concentrating? How do you get to imagine what does this look like, like full? You can take a piece of it and be like, okay, yeah, but you can't really wander off and get lost. I don't know because this, I mean, that just goes into different ways of people learning. You know what I'm saying? It does. Like, you know, like for me, I'm a person, like I have to touch it. Like I have to touch the yes. book. I have to go through the book. Textile. I, yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? But I'm also, I'm a visual person too. Yes. So, um, but there's some folks that are more auditory. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And for them listening, when they listen to the book, okay. they can just paint the picture. So like, Audiobooks, audiobooks, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Audible. Like, yeah. yeah, audible books. Like, they can, you can drive, take a long drive somewhere and you can listen to the whole Steve Harvey book. Right. You can listen to the whole Michael Eric Dyson books, the John Baldwin books, you know, and it just paints a picture. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I do. So, I don't know. I, I think for me, I'm always thinking about polarity. Gotcha. Right? Not just one way of intersecting with knowledge and words. Mm -hmm intersecting it with different modalities and that's how I like do to colleges do it. have book clubs so I'm certain some do I'm not certain matter of fact yes they do and women gender studies has a book club and how do I know that because I teach for the department so <laughs> hey girl hey. <laughs> hey shout out to the women in gender studies yes so <laughs> yes they do and also um, student clubs and organizations have book clubs as well so yes matter of fact um, friend and colleague coach Deuce he just approached yes. me not too long ago What's talking about coach he Deuce? wanted to start a book club. Yes. He did something last semester, the spring semester with Barnes and Nobles mm -hmm. around, I can't remember the name of the book, but yes, he did that. He did that. That's so. dope. I, I really, someone put me on. I'm trying to be a part of a book club. Okay, so let's create one. Again, for the love of, I just said that. All right, let's do it. Of, let's do it. All right. right. So again, for those of you who are interested, hit us up because we're getting ready to start a um, book club. And maybe we start with, again, the book that Oprah started with. Let's be a part of the movement. Let's be a part of something that's bigger than ourselves. Gotcha. And in that, so she chose Ta-Nehisi Coates. So for you those are a huge fan because he is a literary genius. I have to give a little have, description of who he is. Oh my goodness, I have to have a thesaurus when I read his works. So he's an acclaimed writer. He writes for the Atlantic. He's the individual who wrote on our current um, president in 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. It's called The White President. He talked about how this is the first time we've had a white president. He also, his first, yes, it, it's an amazing read. You have to. What? Yes, he wrote it, a piece about listen, this is the first white president? He's cold-blooded. Damn. Cold-blooded. Yes. Then he wrote Between the World and Me, and that actual title is a nod to James Baldwin because he loved James Baldwin. And James Baldwin, he wrote um, Native Son, narrative of a native son gotcha. he was writing to his nephews and in this book Ta-Nehisi is writing to his son it was right after Trayvon Martin when I tell you this cat is for real for real um he was interviewed and this um young lady 
of Caucasian persuasion asked him about um, Caucasian writing, persuasion. Right. Don't stop. <laughs> I have to get it because he checked her all the way to the left. People, she said Caucasian persuasion. Yes. And I mean, no disrespect, anything like that. Y'all know, listen, I have some mad dope, you know, mm. people that I rock out with. You know, but we don't asked, give a damn. Go ahead. Right. But she asked him a question that was borderline, you know, racial. Right. And he said, well, what do you mean by that? Like it was done tastefully and classically because he is tasteful and classic. But it was kind of remind you of Toni Morrison when she said, do you really do you understand the question you just asked? How racial it is, how laced it is. And his writing is like that. Mm. It is just beautiful. So this book that Oprah again dropped for her book club, it is titled The Water Dancer. And she talked about just how wonderfully written it is and just how magnificent a writer. So I'm going to read an excerpt so then that way you all can kind of feel and touch and experience. And you said it was wordy. Well, no, I said he's brilliant in terms of his linguistics. Because you the one said that you need to, where's the thesaurus? Where's the thesaurus? The the because some of the words he used, listen, they're over my head. I'm like, okay, what? That's how vast his vocabulary is. Man, so that's man. what I mean. Not necessarily wording, but it is vast in terms of his vocabulary and gotcha. the way in which he paints beautiful pictures with words. Gotcha. Okay. So it reads here, um, this is Oprah speaking of Ta-Nehisi Coates. You are a magnificent writer. The other day I was reading, I was thinking, gosh, I wish Toni Morrison was alive to actually read this book. She would be so proud. Mm. So then she says she pointed to a passage on page 110 of the book, which Coates describes what slavery is. Oh, God. OK, hold on. Wait, wait, <laughs> wait, wait. OK, I got I got to take my glasses off. I got to I got to get ready, because if you talk talking about how if you're if you're yes. giving us a in, giving us some insight in terms of how how special this writer is mm -hmm. I, need, I need to prepare my mind okay yes please prepare your mind all okay. right i'm ready you ready yes so it goes this is a quote from the book page 110 slavery is everyday longing is being born into a world of forbidden rituals and tantalizing untouchables. The land around you, the clothes you hem, the biscuit you bake. You bury the longing because you know where it must lead. Tell me that's not beautiful, right? But that's just how, again, inviting and sexy his writing is. Because it's kind of like, there was so much imaginary and imagery in that. See, a text, see text like that, it <laughs> would take me. Club. It would take <laughs> You need a book. You would have to break this down for me yes. because, like, like I, that would it would take me, like, I would read a chapter a week, <laughs> not a day. <laughs> Every day, I'll probably read a page and highlight something, and then Google it and be like, okay, yeah, all right, I, I got that. Okay, all right, yeah, okay, yes, all right. It'll take me a month. <laughs> It'll yes. take me a month to read this book. But go ahead. Yep. But it's very, but it's very, very good. Right. So, um. Again, so one of the things I want to talk about in the beauty in this is how many of us know about Ta-Nehisi Coates? How many of us have written any of his works, even read him on the Atlantic and some of his writings? 
And I think what happens, this lends the conversation to something that we were talking about as we were preparing for the session is how often are we honoring and celebrating the black academic, especially the black academic man? We have Michael Eric Dyson, we have Dr. Cornell West, and we really haven't heard anything from him lately. Mm -hmm. But we're talking about there's some bold black men academics that are, again, creating waves and ripples and talking about real stuff in this world and books and conferences there's this cat i met in albany he was the keynote speaker for apex um in the position that i play as a director for c-step his name is chris um emden e-m-d-i-n science genius i think he has like three or four phds and he's he's your age when i tell How you do you have three i or have four. no idea PhDs. Yes. And he's in his 30s. He's another brilliant. So it goes to the fact that. He has a family. Yep. Him and his wife have two babies. They're beautiful. Homeboy is cold blooded. That shouts out to you, my brother. That is. Homeboy is is cold blooded. So the thing that we're missing, I think, or finds, um, it finds very difficult for us is why not? Right. So I think this says to us that we are we've already known this, but it says to America, it says to the world globally that black men are very multifaceted on different levels. We see and experience and hear almost on the daily the black man who is successful. Who do we see? When we're thinking about black men that are successful in the media, who do they portray and who do they show? They show athletes. Athletes and who else? Entertainers. There you go. Entertainers. And then maybe actors, right? Yep. But how Absolutely. often are we seeing the academic really showing up on these different stages mm-hmm. and how important they are? So we need role models in every intersection and the ways in which our black and brown boys show up and then even just the world. So then that way we can extend the learning because let me ask you this. Sure. Thinking about growing up and being in school, primary school, mm-hmm. elementary and primary, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not post-secondary. Nope. Boom. Okay. How many men of color did you have in a classroom that sat in front of the classroom that was your teacher? Not a substitute, not somebody filling in, your teacher. Let me think about that. Oh, wait. So I had my art teacher, Mr. Baker. Okay, art. I had my music teacher, Mr. Plummer. Okay. Another music teacher, Miss okay. Lewis. Um, man. English teacher, Miss Yarbrough. Okay. Man. Yeah. So we go to school. Up until college for how many years? 12, 11, 11 12 years? Mm-hmm. Somewhere in there? Not certain. Mm-hmm. So, and then when I got to college, it was only two. And then look at that. So you said two art teachers, one music teacher. Two music teachers. I'm sorry, two music teachers, and one art one, teacher, and one English teacher. Mm-hmm. So we know, again, in Buffalo Public School. Ask me how many white teachers I've had. All, exactly. Okay. And, and, so, and there lies my point. So... We know that we go to art and music as a what? It was called a special. It's a special. So we went for 
Was it even considered to be an academic? Exactly. Right. So for real, for real, we're talking about academics. <clears throat> you had one, the English teacher. Mm-hmm. That was one. So, so where? That was one. So where is the impasse? We're at an impasse. That is the impasse. But where is the solution? Where do we begin? And I think this is why I so love Oprah. She's always progressive. She's always pushing envelopes and she's not looking for anybody to approval. She's not looking for anybody to nod and say, oh my goodness, well, why did you pick Ta-Nehisi Coates, a black man for your first book? Right. Think about when she started that school in South Africa for all black girls. A reporter had the audacity, the unadmitted goal to say, well, why just for black girls? She could have came politically. She could have came democratically. Oh, but she she came Oprah. She came Oprah. She (laughs) said, because it's my school and this is what I want. Period. Right. But how many schools for other individuals are created and built and no one ever questions them? Right. But the moment, again, we want to do something. So then that way, because we know mentorship is critical, especially for black, brown, for black and brown boys. Gotcha. Yeah. Right. So black and boy, black and brown boys research indicates that they begin falling out of love um, in school and what grades. Third and fourth. Third and fourth. Mm-hmm. Third and fourth. So can you imagine how significant it would be for them to be able to read a book by a Ta-Nehisi Coates to experience someone in front of the classroom that is there that looks like them where they can identify and say, wow, that could be me. Right. You know, we covet what we see. Right. I guess I, I guess the question would be is... Is it that young black males, even young black ladies, right? Okay. Is it that they don't see the, I guess, the guilty pleasures in academia, in reading? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, like when we when we were growing up, you know, in the 80s and the 90s, you know, and all that stuff, and reading a book, reading a book was like punishment, Mm, come on, talk about it. You know what I'm saying? It was like, if you got in trouble, you were told, go in the corner and read a book. That's like, you know what? I, I, I think I think that has a lot to do with why generations don't want to read books. It's just like, it's just like with community, community service. service. That's exactly where I'm going. It's just like with community service. When you, you know, look at our prison system, look at our judicial system, right? Yes. Instead of like, um, sanctioning them something outside of community service, like we use it in such a negative way, mm-hmm. and there's a negative connotation that comes with community service. And I think that same deed has been done with reading books, especially like I mean, I, it, even I've been subjected to it. Even I've done it, where like you know I have, um, as a as a young man, maybe 13, 14, working at like a, a Salvation Army Boys and Girls Club after school program or something. And, you know, the only way to really tame kids down or to hold them responsible for something, you know, you would be like, you know what, go sit down and read a book. They could be coming from a friendly environment. They could be coming from a playful environment. Mm-hmm. They could be, you could be having the world's best kickball game going on in the gym or outside. You get in trouble. You know what? Come on in here, sit down and read a book. 
Right. And kids are like, well, I don't want to read a book. So now you you done took yeah. the, the pleasure out of reading books and potentially losing out on a gift or a purpose because you might have been intended to be this writer, this prolific writer. Right. Right. And because you done you done punish someone or discipline them, you know, and use reading a book as the punishment, they don't want to do it no more. I think so. That's a great point. But I think one of the other things, too, is for me, I realized because I've been very, very open and transparent about my reading challenges. I felt second grade due to reading because I had comprehension problems. Same thing. I didn't fail. I, I didn't fail either, but my mother held me back because she was like, yeah. you, "You need, you need to go back." Yeah, and because I, need I you would, to be strong it was a, in this it, area. Did you feel like when you read, you just read the words, but you didn't understand what That's you was reading? That's comprehension, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. That was me for the longest time. Absolutely, but here, so, but here's the thing: when we're talking about, you talk, you said you're visual. I'm visual as well, textile. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things when we're talking about a disservice as it relates to whether it's reading, education, or anything, we weren't introduced to language to say, okay, what type of learner are you? Yeah. What types of books interest you? I realized that I was a high interest reader. If it was not interesting to me, if I could not imagine or see myself in the, in the characters, whether it was the antagonist or the protagonist, I tapped out. So then... We start thinking very differently. So my mother was like, okay, we're going to do this thing different. So Judy Bloom, dear God is Margaret. Are you, I'm, you know, dear God is Margaret, I'm calling or are you watching or something like okay. that. Judy Bloom, great book. Mm-hmm. Then the Junie, B, the Junie B series with John Tay. It's about introducing our children or even ourselves in the beginning to things that they're interested about first and foremost, then break it down. Say, Hey, Kai, when you're reading with Kai, so you just read this. Well, what did that mean to you? What do you think is going to happen next? Asking inferential questions where they can infer or kind of even take their imagination on what they think might happen. And Mm -hmm. that's where the comprehension comes in because you're absolutely right. Sometimes we're reading just for the sake of reading. Do you remember, I'll take it a step further. Do you remember how like when it, reading a book a physical book you will be turned off by the book but like let it be a magazine something that has like provides a lot of visuals you're picking up those things first rather than an actual book because the books don't have pictures well so let's just say that yes i think we all gravitate toward um magazines or comics because that does feed the imagination and the curiosity because you have to because that's how i that's how i fell in love with the fascination of reading books because i started reading comics and then graphic novels okay you know and what that did that offered an escape and then next thing you know um i'm starting to pick up books like self-help books i'm mm. starting to look into books that um that gave me like gave me i'm a history buff mm. so now i'm starting okay. to pick up books that deal with history i think that the first document of history that i ever read was you know the bible so i started reading wow. that okay. you know and then i'm starting to ask questions so i think like as I 
as I started reading comics, graphic novels, um, then comics, I mean, um, not comics, but then like history books and then self-help books, I started like writing down questions of things that I wanted to know. So next thing you know, now I'm starting to go deeper into research, trying to find out, okay, well, you know what? If, you know, I want to know know and learn more about Egypt. So let me find a book about that, Mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, who created this person of Superman? Who, who's these authors and who's these illustrators? So now I'm starting to, you know, investigate that. And I think that's where, how I fell in love with it. But I think like you talked, you mentioned my son. Mm-hmm. My son doesn't like reading. He, he's a great reader mm-hmm. and he understands what he reads, but he doesn't like it. Right. And I asked him one day, I think it was two years ago, he was reading a book for a cl- for his class and he hated it. And I was like, well, why do you hate this book? He said, it's boring. Okay. He's like, I could tell you exactly what's about to happen. Mm. You know, and then just recently, fast forward to the present for Christmas, his uncle ended up getting him a book uh, on Kobe Bryant. Okay. And he, and he flew through that book. High like, interest, exactly. He you flew just, through thank the book you very much. And I was just like, yo, point. like he, like he ended up using that book for a book, a book report, report and a presentation okay. for his class. And he knew everything in that book. And I was like, well, so what was the difference between this book? Because he could identify. High interest. So let's go back circle. And we're talking about this notion of Oprah, the book club, Ta-Nehisi Coates, the importance of black opulence and education. Mm. So couldn't you imagine if Kai in his suburban school, mm-hmm. right? Yes, <laughs> suburban. Had, yes. again, his dad as his teacher, meaning someone that looked like him and said, you know what class, you all get an opportunity to pick any book of your choice Mm -hmm. for your first book report to introduce them to one reading, introduce them to their formatting and how they want the book report. You're introducing them to yourself. Introduce them to yourself and then public speaking. Yeah. Right. And then he then sees that, you know what? Well, not every book is going to be of my liking, but I know that there are a plethora of books that are. And what's happened, I believe for me and a lot of times, the first books that we read aren't by authors that, again, capture our attention or don't have that scope. And it's by force. And, and it's by force. So you're like, oh, my goodness. Are you kidding me? I have to read this like. I remember summer reading. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, you have to read this book. But there weren't that many options. Now, shout out to the mayor, Mayor Brown. Mm-hmm. He has a reading summer challenge yep. for the different grades. There are like 15 to 25 options on this book. And if the kids read three or four books, they get some kind of prize. Yeah, it's incentivized. Exactly, it's incentivized. But he has so much variety, then you get to pick and choose. That's what I'm talking about in terms of the idea of reading and its importance. And then the idea of having someone say to you, here's a book by an author that looks just like you. Do you think college students are readers? What do you mean by readers? So you have a passion for reading. 
You could pick up a book and you could just read it. It's, I'm still high interest, right. but because I'm disciplined, because we work in this space, if I have to read it, of course, I can get through it and then comprehend it. But I do lean toward those books that interest me. Mm-hmm. Sure. So they so they have to be here reading. Right. I think the question I want to ask is, even in college as an undergrad, I didn't read like I didn't read any books like that. What do you mean you didn't read any books? Like I didn't read. I didn't read like I skimmed through it. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually recontextualize, comprehend. I didn't like. I didn't invest myself mm-hmm. in the material mm-hmm. the way I should have. I didn't really do that until I got into grad school. <laughs> yeah, grad listen, school. Yo, if you get anything under a B, you out. They yeah, on, grad you school. Your ear. I, you that to. that's where I really had to become. Really invested into the art of right. reading, so to the science of reading. So with that, with that explanation and fabric, and knowing what we know about our scholars and them being able to have this wonderful device mm-hmm. holding my smartphone. No, I think what they do is I think so. Matter of fact, no is my answer. Last semester, spring semester, a book just happened to be by. Um, an author, female, of black, right? They had to read this book in their particular class. And one of my students, one of these students, clearly I just told on myself it was mm-hmm. a book <laughs> in my class. But I had a student in my class who said, and they were a senior, graduating summa cum laude, dean's list, all of that, said, your book is the only book I read. Now, there's a whole bunch of reasons that could have happened. Right. My book is accessible. What mm-hmm. exactly do I mean by that? It's 112 pages. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's broken down into quick steps. Read. Right. Quick. You could literally read that in a few hours. So was that it? Or was there things in the book that they could see themselves connecting to? Right. Mm-hmm. They could have skimmed through that book and still get the essence of it. But she said this was the first book she read cover to cover in her collegiate experience here. Mm. So I would say no because they have so many tools and then we ha- they have so many outs, which again leaves us to talking about, you know, what's the state of our, you know, academics, the education. If they can go, if we could, all of us, they could go through, especially with technology, without reading at least one book from cover to cover and still graduate with just kind of skimming. Is that indicative of what's happening? Mm, I think so. I think so. Um, skimming also is, that's a talent. That's an art. That's an art form. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Um, it's, it's become a science. A lot of people really don't read for the sake of reading. They read to find notes. Right. right? And um, um, I think that when it comes to college students being able to have the idea or the the um the ability to read for pleasure or read for the sake of reading it's hard to do it's difficult to do because there's not really anything you're really gaining out of it like for example one of the one of the biggest one of the biggest complaints that I've when it comes to academics and reading for college students is the fact like well, how's this going to help me? 
Like, what's the personal investment of reading a book if I'm not really interested in it? Like, for example, like um, when I was taking, and I, w- I wish I took this seriously, but mm. when I was taking a class in economics, right, and we had these books that we had to read, right? I'm at the time, I'm like, what the hell is this gonna do for me? Right. You know what I'm saying at the time, I really didn't know. You know, now today, if I read that same book, I would be eating it up. Eating it up You know what I'm saying But Then you have like Books like Math books <laughs> Don't even talk about A math book is right yeah, now Math like, books and it's, Who, and Like who's really that. going to Like take in Like and use A math book for Simple pleasures You know what I'm saying Like it's It's just When it comes to the Collegiate level And it comes to um, You know Reading I just feel that the more favorable way to read is through the skimming rather than just actually reading it in its entirety, you know, but, um, I do have a question for you. Sure. I have an answer. (laughs) Um, what say you, what say you about these black academics, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, our brothers, our sisters, in academia, who are some of your favorite well, academic academ? Uh, what's the term? Academics. Yes, maybe? academics. What? Are, who are your favorite academics? Well, I mentioned Chris, and um, he's one of my favorites because he speaks to again the truth, science. So not only does he talk about the plight and the experiences that he's gone through in our community and for the love of and the culture. He's mad brilliant. He brings it and he brings it truthful and he does not tailor or water down his conversation. He doesn't matter who's in the audience. So I think that's one of the great things. Michael Eric Dyson kind of saying hip hop preacher, um, you know, loving that. No, that's Eric. Uh, Michael Eric, Eric, exactly. Eric Thomas. I meant uh, Michael Eric Dyson, yeah, right? Eric Thomas, that's my guy, right? Though. Exactly. Love yeah. Eric Thomas as well, but uh, Michael Eric Dyson, you know, another you know individual in the academic space. Angela Davis will always be one of my favorite yeah. academics. We're talking about her and her movement still feeding me. Even Toni Morrison as she's transitioned on. Um, Nikki Giovanni. I love the, you know, the individuals, the academics who are really still holding the torch and not bending or folding. Mm-hmm. Bell Hooks. Oh my goodness. Amazing. So when I'm thinking about academics, that's the kind of, you know, person I'm thinking about. And and there's so many more. So, again, I'm not, you know, snubbing, you know, anyone or forgetting there are just so many um, academics. I think the point is black academics are needed and not just on a college or university. Mm. So I think that goes into a conversation I think we need to have. Okay. Um, Why is it that... There's not that many scholars or educators, black, you know, that are of color on a college campus. Well, I think when we're thinking about PWIs and TWIs, no, they're not historically black, you know, colleges and universities, different story. I think there's a multitude of reasons. Um, I think one because education and getting tenure 
is very difficult. It requires most times departments want you to have your doctorate. That's your terminal degree. Mm -hmm. They want you to be published because the notion is publish or perish. And then there's been so many unfortunate incidences and conversations and dialogues around people of color getting tenure, how it's more difficult for them to get tenure than their white counterparts. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing, too, is when you're thinking about education, no matter what level it is, some people don't think that for all of we, all of what you put into it, all of what goes into it, the grading, the number of scholars you have in a classroom, especially if you're teaching lecture halls. Some people don't think it's worth it. And then I think the other thing going all the way back to the beginning, talking about the lack of examples, I think there are not that many examples for us to want to reach for teaching at any level. Mm. So think about how we are lacking men of color in every sense of the word, mm -hmm. right? Academics, STEM, you name it, with probably the exception of what? Athletics, Athletics. and entertainment. Yeah, I um, I have a personal investment in this conversation because, sure. you know, a lot of students, um, not to two ball horn, but a lot of students admire or look up to the things that I do, you know? And if I want to continue in this world of higher education. Mm. I think like you, I want to shift my focus into the faculty realm. Yep. Because I think there's more power and influence in fa with faculty. Um, there's more say so. And I think like, I'm, I'm, sure. I'm a person that is very hands on with students in a way where in which like I, I need to be in the room with students and I need to have the interaction with them. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I think that for me, um, being a professor, being a, pub, a published uh, figure, a public figure, right? I think that that would be a, a, a great way to change the game in terms of like how uh, sure. black men, black professionals Come are on. being viewed. Like, I heard about brother Mike, mom, Michael Eric Dyson mm -hmm. uh, a couple, I want to say maybe over 10, 15 years okay. ago because he came to Buffalo and he spoke. And when he spoke, I went to go see him because a lot of folks were talking about this guy, you know, and I'm like, who is this guy that everybody is speaking of? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's like, yo, you got to come and you got to, you just got to hear him talk. And so I went and when I did, like, he not only was he talking about like a lot of historical facts, but he was infusing hip hop and the culture into like the things yes. that he was saying. And I was just like, yo, this like this guy is amazing. He is. He's amazing. Right. And then you fast forward into the future. You know, now you got brothers like Killer Mike. Oh, yes. You know what I'm saying? Killer Mike now, uh, a rapper, but now he's a, a, a seems to be like a politician, you know, and, and I want him to write some books. He needs to write some material. You know what I'm saying? You got brothers like T.I., Tip Harris, you know what I'm saying, who are now uh, becoming more social, socially conscious. conscious. And now, like, you know, Tip has his own podcast. Just recently, he had a, a white counterpart on there, and they're talking about 
politics and Trump and, mm -hmm. you know, their viewpoints and stuff. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, yo, these guys right here, they might not be on a college campus, but these are the guys that 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 I'm listening to. That's making you know? some moves. Right. Absolutely. That's making moves. And I'm like, well, you know what? Why can't these brothers be on college campuses? You look at brother Nick Cannon. Nick Cannon is a student at Howard University yeah. right now, like a, a, a full time, yep. full time student. Right. And he has his podcast, podcast and he's interviewing these these highly intellectuals. Right. These high intellectuals who have been professors at Harvard, I mean, at Howard University, who have taught at other PWIs, but choose to stay at a, at a, at a HBCU. Yes. Right. And, you know, they're talking about so many different things. And because I'm, they understand and, the importance because it's the because it is if, if we don't have these examples then what happens? Like Ebro, Ebro said it best. Ebro on Hot 97, he right? Say? He said, if you were to click on my video, on our YouTube video, if you were to go on YouTube and you were to type in, you know, uh, a video where we're discussing about the political climate and how we can change things and me bringing up like political figures and me bringing up professors to talk about these things that black, black and brown people that know about these things. Mm -hmm. He was like, it'd be maybe 10 10 views. Yep. Come on. Now. 100 yes. views. Yep. He's like, but let me talk about a subject about uh, Takashi 69. Yes. And it's like over a million views in an hour. Exactly. Or again, you know, the the dissension, right? Right. Between Nicki Minaj and Cardi B. Yeah. Or God forbid we talk about again the Jay-Z and the NFL deal and how he so wronged in the community, the culture, and sold out college. Exact. So again, this is going to our point. This is why it is important for us to get this in the beginning. When we are able to not only be in mm -hmm. the community, having great fun, playing basketball, knowing, again, what's going on in the culture, but we also have to be academic about it as well. And that looks a multitude of ways. It's not just one-sided, and we can't be one-sided in that conversation, right. but it cannot be left off of the table. So right now, so funny you said this. Let's even talk about this because this is probably our most academic conversation. Let's look to see what happens with our views. They might be like, books? Oh, hell no. Click. I'm right. going on to the next thing right. that goes to show again, a part of that fixed mentality, that slave mentality. What do they say? If you want to keep something from a black man, where do you put, put it? Put it in a book. Shut your mouth. Put it hey in a book. Hey, they already telling us, Jay said it, the Hova. I'm giving y'all the blueprint. It's right here, but we don't want to read. Listen, I remember, <laughs> I remember one time uh, for a birthday, my grandmother uh, gave me a book. I give books and my gifts. Grandma, my grandmother gave me a book. And, and she was I like, asked for books and, for gifts. And she told me, it was on my father's side, and she told me, make sure you read that book and call me when you read the book. Because mm -hmm. she wants a dialogue. Right. That's a part of conversation. Hold on, but, here's a, but here, there's a lesson here, right? So then I never read the book. <laughs> I put the book down. I'm like, I'm not reading this book. So grandma ends up calling me and you know, calls over to the house and my mom is like, hey, grandma wants to talk to you. I'm like, okay, what's up? Like, hey, grandma, how you doing? Hey, baby, did you ever read that book? I said, uh, grandma, what had happened was? I lied. I said, yeah. She said, oh, you did. 
Tell me, t- tell me what was so special about the book. I was like, um, she's like, you didn't read the book. I was you like, set yourself up. I was like, nah, grandma, I didn't read the book. She was like, okay, I'm gonna come by. I'm gonna come grab the book. I'm like, hmm. Um, I, okay. So she came by, right? She came by, mm. and she asked, well, "Where's the book at?" I was like. It's upstairs And you know My book was underneath Like my bunk bed You know And Shoes you know, and, and You know And else. so she was like Yeah give me the book Right She was like What was this You know She was like You know why I gave you this book She was like You know it, Reading is You know At the time Reading is fundamental Yes right? it was <laughs> Reading is fundamental She was like But if you were to open it You would have saw That I had a gift inside For you mm-hmm. And I was like What And she had a hundred dollar bill in the In the book she had a, like the first page, hundred dollar bill, and, and she was like, and, th- and that's when like I've that's when I heard the saying, if you want to hide something from black people, you put it in a book. She was like, you need to start reading things. She's like, because there's jewels inside Yo, these books. Your grandmother is straight. Gangster. There's jewels inside these books, and I was just like, and I sat there. My mom was just like, nigga. <laughs> Still. You know, and I'm just like, yo, like, I'll never. You should never forget that. How significant. But again, that's a beautiful lesson. So just think about if every one of us had the benefit of your grandmother or that story or that example. Man. I, you know, and now today, like, it, man, I, I think I might do that for my son. I think you should. I think I'm I might do that, do that for, for my, my son. I'm going to do that for my nephew because he'd be like, I think Auntie, I might do that for my son. You got it on Audible? I'm going to give him like a, I'm going to give him like a, maybe I'll give him like a John Baldwin book. Oh, James, yeah. James, ba- James, James, ba- give him a James Baldwin time. book. You know what I'm saying? Give him a book that just, he's just like, what? Like, you got to, you got to blow it up. <laughs> <laughs> Blow the dust off it. I'm like, read that book. What about Malcolm X? Oh, my, man. He might enjoy that. So you, you know. What you, about it, Malcolm? See, okay, like, we haven't got to that point yet. Okay. He knows and he's heard about Malcolm, but we haven't gotten to Malcolm. I think it's time for him to get to Malcolm. No, we so haven't maybe gotten to Malcolm okay, yet. Maybe. You know what I'm saying? But. Maybe that would be a good that because right. I and have maybe a, I can read it together. So maybe the yeah. first maybe introduction is yeah. you, him, and Charles. Y'all have a book. The men and the, the Gilbert men. Y'all have a book club. Yeah. So then that way it gives him the opportunity to see his father and his uncle as readers, as educators. Because yeah. what's happening is when we're, when I asked you the question in the beginning, how many men of color did you have while you were in school our black and brown boys are not only not only seeing themselves in the classroom they're not seeing anybody at the home who's either reading a newspaper or a book or writing a paper or research so they're so disconnected from the educational process because there's nobody who is involved in it that looks like them Ladies and gentlemen, we're having a great conversation here. So hit us up. Let us know. What's your favorite book? Let us know you what know, your favorite book is. Yeah, give me some books to read about. One of my mentees hit me up today and was like, uh, I need some books. I need to empower myself and I need to like I need to be equipped with some material to read. And I and I felt 
it's ironic because we're talking about this today but like I started like screenshotting a whole bunch of books sending it to her like read this book read that book read this book I sent her like 10 books and so and then here's the deal how beautiful is that how many of your scholars my scholars our scholars come to us asking for reading lists Mm -hmm. there are scholars who want to be enlightened, who want to read, but it is, I think, about what they're interested in. I don't think there's anything wrong with, again, providing them with high interest books, especially at the younger age, just to get them introduced to reading and then comprehension. Then you increase it. Yeah. Right? I think that's where I went wrong because I've never had a teacher that looked like me maybe if I had a teacher that looked like me that helped me to that helped me to comprehend what I'm reading I probably would have been a a better or maybe a a more well-versed reader and involved right an evolved reader yep in in the process and be like kind of how to teach myself how to comprehend you know so yeah man I enjoyed this Yes, this was this was a great. It's a different. It was a different conversation, y'all, because you know it, it, we have to do different. It's and, like a it's like an onion, man. There's different layers to us, right? Different layers, man. And we want you all to be excited and just the enormity and just how important again what Oprah Oprah what has Oprah not touched and has not turned platinum, man. Not That's all I gotta say. If if if, if anything else, hey y'all, hey. I'm not, hey. <laughs> I need that shirt, man. <laughs> I My need that shirt. Like, I need go. that shirt. She beat that thing all the Listen, way. Listen, man, for the love of yes, y'all. for the love, for the love, love for of. the love of reading, for the love of you, for the man, love of education, listen. for the love of the culture, and for the love of elevation. Literacy is important, man. Literacy is important. It's also important that as us as people of color, we really need to gravitate. And to be more engaged with our brothers and sisters of academia. We, we really need to be more involved and invested in it, man, because these are brilliant minds. Today, I learned so much from my sister here, you know, just listening, you know, like you, you should have saw me. I was a student. I was a student here. I'm just listening and I'm like, oh, man. Yeah. OK. Yes. So let's so let's um, for those. Let me say I'll do this for you. all. Hold on. Um so maybe if we're talking about for those individuals who are interested in um, a book, maybe they start with Oprah's book. Again, The Water Dancer by Ta-Nehisi Coates. It's spelled T-A capital N-E-H-I-S-I Coates. C-O-A-T-E-S. Tony yeah. I, I need to I need to do a Google search on this brother and start looking at some of his material. Yes. And so then for every black man and then especially for every black man who has a son. Yes. If you've not read Between Me and the World by Tanahisi Coates. I got to read that. You, yes, absolutely. I got to read that. That is a must read. It Lang- is a must. Langston Hughes was one of my favorite writers oh, too. I love him. Langston yes. Hughes was his one poem, of my favorite. Mother to Son. Oh. I know. Oh. Like for me, it ain't been no crystal stair. It ain't been no crystal stair, It ain't stair, been no crystal stair. Mm. Yeah. Listen, come on, because we'll be in a whole uh, yeah. other dialogue. Okay, all right, y'all. It's for the love of, love. it's for the love of, it's your favorite campus uncle. It's uh, Uncle Fred in the building here with my sister in struggle and pain and also in victory here, the Liberated Project check, Tamara. And uh, listen, hey, man. Hey. Yeah, man. Great conversation. We signing off, y'all. Indeed. Have an excellent evening. Yes, peace. Peace.